Well, good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing? Hey, it's good to see you all. If you don't know me, my name is Tyler Jagan. I'm the lead pastor here at River Run. And as you can see, we are in this series on prayer. We started it last week. And it's a kind of a really just a continuation of this, this, this thing that we're working on all year long, which is this idea of make the most of what you've been given by God. Make the most of what you've been given. The things that God has given us are things that God desires for us to leverage, to use all the time. Not just things when we're dealing with some hardships or some crisis or in those moments we just feel like we need something from him. But we always use them. We, we always leverage them. And one of them is the one that we are working on this month, which is prayer. This incredible gift that God has given us, this gift to be able to talk to him. And not only just to be able to talk to him, but the fact of the reality is, is that he listens. Psalm 116.2 says, because you've been down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. That it's a beautiful gift that the fact that we are like little dust, really, when it comes to the cosmos and the universe. But yet, even in our little minuteness, we have the God who created all of that, who desires to have an intimate relationship with us. And that intimate relationship always begins and continues with communication, with, with talking. We don't have a good relationship with those that we don't talk to and we don't really, you know, communicate with or listen to. And so God has given us this incredible gift. And, and, and this gift is so important to him, so important to him, to the point that he sent his son, his most, most precious possession, into this world to sacrifice his life, to bridge the gap between him who is holy and good and us who broke that relationship. And in the middle is all the weirdness and the awkwardness and separation of what sin does and what sin does to relationships. But because of the blood of Christ, we are now reconciled with God. That we no longer go into the presence of God as a judge, that now we come into the presence of God as a father. That we are his children with a father who desires to have a relationship with his kids. And so this is one of those things that God desires for us to leverage this opportunity to talk to him. Not just to come to him when we're having a bad day or we're in a crisis or we're saying, oh, help me, but, but that we would do it all the time. So that way we could really have this amazing, beautiful relationship with him. I love the words of David who just loved talking to God. He said, and it's recorded in the Psalms, in Psalms 27, 8, he says, he wrote and he says, you know, my heart has heard you say, come, let us talk together. And my heart responds, I am coming. That, that when God is stirring within our own hearts, come talk with me, that we would respond and say to our, our heavenly father, father, I'm coming and so we are specifically through this um, month looking at how do we talk to God? How do we talk to him? You know, if you've ever been like in a, going on a date or you're going on a job interview, maybe you've asked somebody this question. Maybe you've asked them the question like, so what do we talk about? What should I say? You know, how, how should I approach communicating and talking to them? Well, Jesus gives us that answer to that, to that question. In fact, they were asking him, hey, how should we pray? And Jesus said in, in, um, you know, on the, in the Sermon of the Mount, right in the middle of the Sermon of the Mount, he says, this is how you should pray. It's found in Matthew chapter 6. And so he says, this is how you should pray. In verse 9, he says, pray like this. 
Our Father in Heaven. Last week, um, teaching elder Caleb, he, he brought us through the beginning of this message and uh, this, you know, this, this little passage here. And Matthew, I highly encourage you guys, if you weren't here last week, to go and check that out. Uh, but just to kind of recap a little bit, that Jesus starts off with, hey, before we talk about the what, let's remind ourselves of the who, right? Because a lot of our communication is really dictated by who we're talking to. You talk to a stranger different than you would talk to somebody that you know really intimate, somebody who's in your family, right? We tend to talk to somebody who, you know, is in a place of position of authority very differently than somebody who is just kind of like one of us. And so Jesus kind of sets the tone. Well, first of all, before we kind of talk about, you know, what we should talk about, we should really remind ourselves of who we're talking to. And first and foremost, it's so important to understand that, that we're talking to our father, right? He's our father. And I love this idea that he's our father. He, Jesus didn't just say, hey, you know what? Pray like this, my father. No, it's our father. Uh, that we're in this together. That we talk to our father together. You know, he's not just your father and then my father. And you have a different father than me. No, we have the same father. And for those of you who have kids, you, you know how special it is when you do one-on-one -on -one things with your kids. You love that. And there's, there's a special place in that. But also, I bet you probably, you know, have those special times in your family when everybody's around the kitchen table or in the living room together, and you're talking together, that your kids are all together talking with you. And what a beautiful context that is. And so with our Heavenly Father as being made in the image of God, I believe that that's the way that God desires it for us, that we have our alone times with Him. But at the same time, there's an us thing, that our Father loves it when His kids together talk to Him. And he's our father, that we can come into his presence, that he's good and that he's gracious. He's different than our fathers in this world. Maybe you had a father who abandoned you, but this is a father who will never leave you nor forsake you. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of this father, okay? And you may even have a great and wonderful father, and that's fantastic. But even our wonderful, amazing fathers are not as perfect and as amazing and wonderful as our heavenly father. And what a wonderful grace and gift that is to be able to relate to him and talk to him. It's great. Not only that, but even when we have amazing fathers, that there might be a chance where our fathers leave us before we leave this world. But our Heavenly Father is always with us. And He is holy. He's different. He is incredible. He's all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He's perfect love. He is, he is everything that we need in a father. So that's who we come into the presence of, a father who's a different kind of dad. And we've been given this beautiful gift to be able to process life, do life, talk to him, listen to him. So then if it goes down to the question like, okay, so if I'm going to sit down with God, what should I talk to God about, you know? Well, Jesus gives us a little bit of a, a picture, not just a little bit, he gives us a big picture of what the things that uh, is wonderful to talk to God about. Now, let me ask you a question before we go there. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody? You just met them, you're kind of getting to know them, and you're connecting, <clears throat> and it's all good, but then you hit upon something. Uh, maybe you, you start talking about sports, or talk about their line of business, or you talk about their family, or you talk about something, and then all of a sudden you see their eyes just kind of light up. Like, you're like, oh, wow, I've hit something that's really important to that person. And that really kind of changes the conversation and the relationship because now you're really beginning to get to know that person, what's important to them, what gets them excited, what the things that they think about. 
And it is the same when it comes to our God. And so I believe that what Jesus is basically telling us is like, hey, if you're going to have a conversation with God, these are the things that like make his eyes like light up. These are the things that are, are like really important to him. And I also recognize that when we go through scripture, we read through scripture, um, the things that are important to God, when we allow God to, to express himself and we learn from them, guess what happens? I find in my own life, I see it through human history, through scripture, is that the things that are important to God begin to become important to us. Because we begin to realize that maybe God's onto something. The things that God is excited about, man, that really resonates with, with my heart. And so, what are those things? Well, Jesus goes on in the next verse, in verse 10, and he says this. May your kingdom come soon. Now, I don't know about you, but I am guilty of so many times of having a relationship with God that most of my communication with him is, hey, God, you know all things, and so you know that I need these things, all right? And so let me give you the list of all the things that you need to do. And so I'm informing you and you already know these things, but you know, I'm just kind of saying it to you because I really want you to, to do these things and have them kind of work its way out. Whether these relational issues, situational issues, circumstantial issues, or whatever. And those aren't necessarily a bad thing, but oftentimes those are the primary things. And oftentimes when we don't recognize that, and that's what it is, it, it, it drives our relationship with God, that really our relationship with God can be more of a father by which we're just looking for 20 bucks to go see a movie for, rather than somebody to cultivate a relationship and to learn from and to understand. And so Jesus says, ran right out of the gate. And this, this prayer that he teaches us and or how we are to pray is, is really purposeful. And so the first part of it, just being purposeful, is that your kingdom come soon. Now, there is a piece of that that no doubt that Jesus was saying that, you know, that Jesus' ultimate kingdom of that by which he would make all things new and he would reestablish, you know, a new earth and a new heaven by which we would live with him forever, you know, where he would, you know, make everything the way that it's supposed to be. There's no doubt that that's a piece of that, but there's also another piece of that, and that is the kingdom coming into our lives. And what does that mean? What does it mean for the kingdom to come into our lives? It means that God, in the way that God's kingdom works and operates, begins to penetrate and have influence into our life. So who's our father? Our father is a great king, right? And he has given the kingdom into his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is our king. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, by which we are not just subjects of that kingdom, we are family members of that kingdom. But we do have leadership in this family and leadership into this kingdom. And God the Father and God the Son and the Holy Spirit are our leaders in this kingdom. And so we are to be people who come into the presence of our king, who is our father, and say to our father, Father, how does this thing work? How does this thing operate? What does it mean to be part of your kingdom? What is the principal goal of your kingdom? You know, what are you doing with your kingdom? And ultimately, God, how do you want us to play a part as our father's work into your kingdom, into this world? And God's desire is for his kingdom to have influence and to spread into our world. Now, 
That's kind of important to understand. Because in our culture and stuff, when we hear about kingdom coming and all that sort of stuff, we have this imperialistic colonialism kind of idea in our mind that maybe God is just, all he wants to do is, you know, push himself around and and make people do what he wants them to do and all of these things. And, you know, and has this idea of colonialism in our, you know, our mind projected onto God. Now, God doesn't desire for his kingdom to spread because he wants to take all of our resources and use it for his own selfish benefit. That's not it. It's not the way that God works. In fact, everything's God anyways. I mean, God has all power. He can take whatever he wants. But his kingdom isn't about taking stuff from you in order to use it for his own selfishness. It's about his influence as a good, benevolent king by which you and the world can experience his incredible love the inheritance that he offers through the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the inheritance of eternal life in the presence of God. That's what he desires. He desires his influence because ultimately his influence is what we need. The kingdom of God has a king. And did you know that when you come think about the eternal politics, you know what the eternal politics is and the the political system of eternity is? is that there's going to be a ruler and he's going to be the king and there's going to be no democracy and there's going to be no voting on who's going to be the king. And you know why there's not going to be any of those things? Because he's a perfect king. He's a good king. He's going to be the kind of king and he is the kind of king by which um, we say and go in our lives, I would vote for you every single time, all the time, because you are good, you are wise, and, and so I submit to your kingdom because there's not a better kingdom than has ever been devised or tried to be devised by man. So let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom and rulership happen in my own life. And let your kingdom and your rulership have its influence into this broken, dark, confused world. The kingdom that has been portrayed by your son, Jesus Christ, a different kind of king, a different kind of influence that has changed all of our lives, that's been changing people for the last 2,000 years. So when we talk to God, that should be our framework. Our framework, you know, is, is Lord, as I'm coming to you, I say Lord, not because it's just a title, because, you know, maybe you grew up and thought Lord was kind of Jesus' first name, Christ was his second name, and, you know, and Jesus was his last name, Lord Christ Jesus, or Lord Jesus Christ, or, or whatever. There, there are terms there that were purposeful and meaningful and reality, that Jesus is Lord. And so when I call him Lord, I'm calling him as a, as a person of position by which I submit to. But I submit to him, not as a slave, but I submit to Jesus as like an older brother, a wiser older brother, and I submit to the Father as my Father, who is wise and is good. And as part of this kingdom, and, and, and partaker of this wonderful thing of, of this kingdom, that God would use me to go and share the kingdom of God to other people the way that he has shared it to me, through other individuals and ultimately through the leadership of King Jesus and the sacrifice of his life. So what does that mean for us? What it means for us is that we should think about God's kingdom in a way that we should lessen our kingdom and magnify his. I know many times my prayers are really more about God increasing my kingdom or keeping my kingdom 
you know, my little world and the way that I want to live my life and, and do the things that I want to do. I want, I'm leveraging him to help me to do the things I want him to do for, for my little kingdom. Rather than coming to God and saying, okay, God, you know, it's your kingdom and you're good and you're wise. How do you want me to participate and understand your kingdom? So when we pray to him, that's what we should talk about. It also just kind of reorients our minds as well. As what is the grand purpose of life? What is the grand purpose of God? By which now that is informing the way that I talk to God about those things. That I believe that there are times when God would just kind of say, hey, Ty, let's, just, let's broaden your perspective a little bit. You're really antsy about this. Let me help you to kind of see the kingdom of God from a grander eternal perspective. And the purposes of the kingdom and the purposes of what that means as you walk out this life. And it comes to when we come and pray to him, it's just saying, God, God, help me to understand your kingdom. May your kingdom come because it is a good kingdom. God, we are trying to figure this out and figure all this political systems, all of these things out on our own. And it's just not really working that great. But you are wise and your kingdom is good and has impacted my life. And I've known so many people's lives who has impacted so much. May your kingdom come. Teach us your kingdom. And then Jesus goes on and he says, okay, your kingdom come. And then what does he say after that? Your will be done. All right, Lord. Before I even begin to talk to you about what's going on in my life, let me understand and let me just kind of preface that your will be done. Now, that doesn't mean that we are just kind of stoic people who vote, you know, who voice to Lord. You know what, Lord, my life is really awful, but that is okay. Let your will be done. You know, even Jesus informs us of this as the son of God, the perfect man in the uh, garden of Gethsemane, blood dripping, uh, like, like sweat from his brow and, and he's stressed because he knows exactly what is going to happen to him. And he says to his father, Father, you know, if this cup could be passed from me, not have to go through the gauntlet and suffer emotionally, physically, all of these things, that would be really nice, right? But then he says, but not my will, but your will be done. What it is in essence is what at the, at the core of that is, is the understanding of trust. Jesus trusts his father. He trusts that his father is going to take something that is so horrific. People running away from him who have been with him for three years. People mocking him, beating him. Um, the injustice that he experienced. And the cruelty of the kind of death that he experienced. God was saying, you know, the father was saying, trust me on this one, Jesus. And Jesus is like, oh, this is going to be really hard, but I'm going to, I'm going to trust you because I know you. Someone, Psalm 910 says, those who know your name will trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Those who know your name. What does it mean to know somebody's name biblically? It means to know them intimately. Those who know you intimately, you know, they trust you, which is another reason why we should talk to them. We don't trust people we don't talk to, right? Because we don't know them. 
So even with the Lord, it, it, it goes with just processing, processing the good, processing the bad. Why is this happening to me? What are you doing? What is the meaning of this all? What do you want me to get out of this? I don't get it. All of these things are the way that we process life and life with God through the gift of prayer, through talking to him. But those who begin to get to know him, understand him, begin to say, your will be done. Or even to the place, maybe you've had people in your own life like this, where maybe, you know, uh, they may be incredibly good at what they do. And you know them to be people of integrity, a man, a woman of integrity. You trust them. They're really good at this. And then, you know, they give you some advice and you know them, you have a relationship with them. You know that they know what they're talking about. Generally speaking, what we do in those moments, we go, well, I don't really get it, but okay, if that's what you want me to do, because I don't really understand how this is, how this is all going to work out. We do that. It's the same thing with God. Oftentimes we don't trust God because we don't really know God. And we don't really know God because we don't really spend time with God. We don't spend time talking to him and, and listening to him. But we know from human history that those people who have gone through really difficult times and have this crazy thing called joy, rejoice in the Lord always, as Paul says, and from prison, it comes from this base level of intimacy of relationship with God by which they are begin to understand him. And even when God calls them to do something that seems really hard and really difficult, they go, I really don't know how this is what's going to happen to this, but I do know you. I do know you. And that's why when it comes down to those hard things in our lives, I find it, it's, it's so important for me to always go back to the base level. And the base level is that Jesus Christ came into this life and sacrificed his life for me. That's how much God loves me. That's how much God has invested in me. That's how much God cares. So he's not going to do something like that in order to make my life miserable. He's going to do that in order to bring me into a relationship with God by which I grow in my intimacy with him and by which I grow in my strength in him by understanding his will. Paul wrote in Romans 12, 2, you know, where he said, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test what God's will is good, pleasing, perfect will. So even Paul is saying that the only way to really understand God is there needs to be kind of this transformation the way that you think. And the reason why there's transformation the way you think is because the, the kingdom of this world operates very different from the kingdom of God. And so the, when we operate in the kingdom of this world, it really, God's kingdom really doesn't make sense because it's weird, it's foreign to us. But the more that we begin to allow God to be able to process things with us and we learn from him through his word and scripture and praying and talking to him, over time what we begin to realize is that, wow, what I really thought that this will is just really weird and wacky and too hard and too difficult, is actually really begins to make sense. It is good, it is pleasing, it is perfect. And Paul wrote another place in Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depend on human traditions, rather than the elemental uh, spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. So there's this change that happens. And this change that happens only happens through us getting to know God. To give him a shot, even when his will and his way seem weird and wacky and seem very hard and not really something we want to, you know, give our lives to. God gives us the grace 
as a father to come to him and continue to process these things with him. Because in the end, we would pray, may your will be done. Because you know what God's will kind of is? God's will is really the will that we would desire to to have and to live by if we truly knew and understood God's will. When we understand what God's will is to the purity of the way that God understands it, it becomes like, oh, okay, that totally makes sense. All right, I'm ready to go. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is God's will? God's will is that no man or no woman should perish, but come into an intimate relationship with the God who created all things in the world, to have an intimate relationship with him forever. That his will would come into our lives by which we would have a transformed heart, by which we would love this God more and more and more. And through that love, and we've received that love from him, that we would love one another. May your will be done. Now, God's will isn't something that, um, again, to, to manipulate or use for our own self-centered benefit, because if that were the case, then God would be a contributor into our chaos. So he doesn't work that way. His will is really about us open-handedly saying to him, you know, teach me, help me to understand. What do you desire? What do you want to do? Paul wrote in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, he said this. He said, what is God's will? Well, here it is. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you, you know, who belong to Christ Jesus. God, what is your will for my life? Always be joyful. God, okay, well, that's really hard. Okay, what else? Well, you can't always be joyful if you're never talking to me. So never stop talking to me. And be thankful for all your circumstances. Why? Because it's in those circumstances I'm going to teach you about you and about life and about others and about forgiveness and about perseverance and about the big picture of the eternal things. And and that's why Paul, even in prison, said rejoice in the Lord always. Why? Because he's a guy who never stopped praying, talking to his God and found himself in all these different really hard circumstances, but praising God because in it, brought him closer to the Lord. How many of y'all have gone through, ever, gone through something really difficult and hard and found that through that God used it to make you more in line and more intimate with him by which you like, wow, God, you took this. I don't wish this upon anybody else, but you used it in order to change my life and to bring me into an intimate relationship with you and an understand of how you desire for me to have relationships with other people. And so we see that the intimacy with God and talking to God and listening to God is really kind of the base point of understanding what life is all about. And it's God's will for you. God's will for you is to have a conversation with him, to do life with him. And you know, you ever ask the question, how do we discern God's will? Well, first of all, we discern God's will by never stop praying. We, we discern God's will by reading scripture. One of the things that I've also learned in my own life is, um, you know, just my prayer life with God. My prayer life with God has really helped me to understand how God works when it comes to revealing his, his will. 
There are times in my life, maybe you've been there too, God, do you want me to take this job or do you want me to take that job? I don't know, I'm really stressed. I don't know how it's all gonna end and maybe this could be like the world's worst job. It sounds good, but maybe they're all like really horrible people with, you know, who are really nice and all that. And maybe that might happen over here and I don't know, I'm really stressed. What do you want me to do? Okay, I don't hear anything. Which one? Which one do you want me to do? God, what college do you want me to go to? You want me to go to college here? Do you want me to go to college there? Do you want me to go to this branch of the military? Do you want me to go to that branch of the military? Which one do you want me to do? You know? God, search my heart. Am I being self-centered and greedy and right now? Yes. Wait a minute, that was really fast. <laughs> I was kind of hoping that I would be like, Because the Spirit of God works in our lives because He's working towards the kingdom of God. I've learned from God that, you know, it's not that God doesn't like, you know, kind of nudge us one way or the other or anything like that, but the big scheme of things, God just speaks to my heart and He says, Tyler, really what depends on what kind of, what kind of man are you going to be, whether you go to this job or you go to that job? What kind of blessing are you going to be with the people no matter what happens and what kind of people they are when you walk down this path or you walk down that path? Buy this car or that car so you don't make sure you get a lemon or whatever. What kind of person are you going to be when you drive that car? (laughs) What kind of person are you going to be if that car breaks down? That's the kingdom of God. It's the will of God. And those are the things by which Jesus kind of really helps us to realign our hearts to the heartbeat of God by which then aligns us to the things that really truly are most important. Not just most important to God, right? But more important to us. That we can have a peace that surpasses all understanding. My car broke down, but yet I'm not like going nuts. I know that this is just kind of the journey that I'm walking down with God and just kind of see what he's gonna do. How is he gonna reveal it to me? What is he gonna do with me? Or who's he gonna send my way by which to connect with? Or I don't know, you know? Or, you know, the the journey of like, okay, I'm gonna take this job and I walk through there and and I'm just gonna, God, how do you want me to, to love and serve the people here? the way that honors you and also sees your kingdom at work in this environment. Rather than just my prayer saying, God, make my life comfortable. Make me pick everything that is perfect and right so that way nothing ever breaks down. People are always kind. They always do the right by me. And then, you know, and then let me just be. Basically, my relationship with God is just more like selfishness. Hey, God, really, you're here just to make all these things work out for me rather than a vibrant, dynamic relationship with the God of the universe by which God leveraged my life to understand you, every aspect of it. Understand not just you, but to understand the gospel and how the gospel interacts into the difficulties and hardships of life. To help me to understand what love is, the, the supreme love of Jesus Christ willingly and choosing to come into this world with a bunch of knuckleheads and to continue to love us right where we're at to inform us of a better kingdom, of a better love, of a better life that is eternal. What if we leveraged everything and every aspect of our life with that kind of crazy living? Okay, God, here we are. This is this life 
is, is all yours. I see what you got. You know, I've heard people say, you know, talk about giving their life to Christ. I don't want to give my life to Christ because then it's just going to make my life boring. It's like, dude, if you think that God is going to make your life boring, watch out, you know, because if you just say, all right, God, let me see your face. Let me see what you got. Here we go. And it will be hard and it'll be crazy and it'll be kind of scary. There's no doubt about it. But every single person that I've known who stepped through those doors to walk through that, they've seen the God of the universe in different ways from, from those of us who decided to live a comfortable life. Not just him, but also to be able to see the kingdom of work. And not only that, but a cool front row seat of the movement of God in the life of other people. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. May your name be kept holy. Your kingdom come. It's beautiful, magnificent, perfect, well-run kingdom come. Your will be done, perfect, pleasing, good, amazing, wise, powerful will. And Lord, have mercy on me as I'm scared of walking this out with you. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, in the title of this slide, it's really just talking to God, processing everything with God. You know, it's not about, you know, perfect language, perfect thing to, to wrote memory, or, you know, uh, prayer to pray. It's really about expressing your life and expressing where you are when it comes to processing the things of God. We don't grow when we don't process. It's one of the reasons why we don't grow spiritually is because we don't process things with God. We learn information, we get it in here, we can regurgitate it in a small group, in a Bible study, or get into a debate with somebody, but we oftentimes don't really process deeply with the Lord. Prayer is the gift of being able to process with God. And the way that we process with God, the first thing to do is to understand where God is taking us. God, where are you taking me? Well, I'm taking you to my kingdom. Where are you taking me? I'm taking you to my will. So as I'm helping you to process where you are here, this is where we're going. Come with me on this journey. Because if you follow me on this journey, you're going to be able to see and experience and know unspeakable things that you never would have known if you didn't go down this journey with me. Paul wrote a letter to the Ephesians. And in his letter, uh, at the beginning of his letter, I just love it. And, and I love just kind of reading and stopping. You've probably heard me say this before about when Paul says, I pray, you know, when, when he begins to say, you know, how he prays. And here in, in Ephesians, we get a kind of a picture um, of how Paul prays. Now, Again, this is so important. What I want to see is Paul's heart, not his language. Oftentimes what we do is we tend to focus on the language. And so we look at Paul or we hear somebody else uh, pray and we go, oh, I can't pray like that. That's just like, pff, that's like prayer on, a, on graduate level prayer. You know, I'm like, you know, kindergarten level here. That's not it. The way that God, the, the language of God is the language of the heart. Okay. But it does give us a little window into the things that are important important to Paul as he prays and talks to God. And this is what he says here in Ephesians. Ever since I've heard of your strong faith in who? In Lord Jesus, in King Jesus. 
ever since I heard that the kingdom of God is, is, is beginning to penetrate into your hearts and you're beginning to trust that, ever since I heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love, the will of God for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking. I have not stopped praying. Paul, you see that even when Paul says, hey, always be joyful, never stop praying, you know, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. You see that over and over in the theme of his life and, he's, and because it's just an outpouring of what is true in his own life. It says, your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. And he goes on. Asking God, so I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, see our Father, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God so you can understand his kingdom, that you can understand his will so your love would continue to grow for the Lord, your faith would continue to grow with the Lord, that your love for the Father would continue to grow. And he goes on, he says... I pray that your hearts would be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he has called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. So to, to pray that the kingdom come, that God's will be done is to pray like this, that God, that you would fill our, our hearts with the light of the knowledge of your goodness and of your grace, of your will and what you're doing. So that way our hearts can be connected to you and you be connected to one another. God, that you would leverage all aspects of our lives so that we could understand that. And so when I pray, I pray for myself to know that. And I pray for all my brothers and sisters as well, that they would continue to hold fast in this crazy, weird world that we live in, the confident hope that you are the living God, that you give us eternal life, and we will be with you forever, no matter what, because we can trust your promises. And he goes on and he says this, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. These are the things that God loves talking to us about. These are the things when we sit there, what should we talk to God about? These are the things that we should talk to God about. God, let me understand your power. Let me understand your love. Let me understand your kingdom. Let me understand what are you doing here? God, help me to, to fill my heart more with the understanding of your love and your grace that has, you know, that will, you know, heal my heart and strengthen my heart and, and to help me to be able to love others better the way that you have loved me. And yes, I do have cancer. Yes, I am kind of worried about my finances. Yes, this relationship is broken. But in this, Lord, through these things, I ask that you would provide for these things for me. But through it, Lord, teach me your kingdom. Because ultimately, more than anything I need in this world is that your kingdom come. Your will be done. Father, 
Lord, thank you so much for the gift of prayer that you've given us. And um, may we be people who make the most of the opportunity to talk to you. And what a cool thing that is. We can talk to you here. We can talk to you in North Dakota. We can talk to you in South America. We can talk to you in Asia. We can talk to you in Antarctica. And you are with us. What a gift that is. And that we can process everything with you. That God, you know all things. And in knowing all things, uh, you could easily be frustrated and annoyed with us. But you love us. And you persevere with us. Because you know that once we finally kind of choose to allow you to have our attention, we begin to know you. And knowing you, we begin to understand you as we talk with you and process through life through you, by which we begin to trust you, by which we begin to see you work in a mighty way. So Father, I pray that through your spirit, you would continually to remind us to really use this gift. It's in your son's name I pray, amen.